Hey, Internet, hey, defense against the barbaric is vital. To fail, to prepare, is to study for enslavement. That's some Sun Tzu, and you found the Mad Christian Saturday Morning Chill. Stick around. Hey, Internet, good morning, people. Hello, universe. I teased you a moment ago with some Sun Tzu, but far more important than Sun Tzu, even if you don't know who he is, especially if you don't know who he is, is that Jesus Christ is King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Why? Why? Why would I suggest this? Because he rose from the dead. Happened about 2,000 years ago. It was kind of a thing. It's still kind of a thing. Like, it's hard to deal with. It's that big of a thing, but a lot of people don't want to deal with it. In any case, he is risen from the dead. And what that achieved, as like a, a weekend event in history, what that achieved is your resurrection. That's correct. You are paid for. The death which you have built up with the shame that you have earned in the sight of Almighty God over in a lifetime of whatever you've done, that's all atoned for. That is, is purchased. Like, like he made it his own, like on the chopping block, a slave sale. Jesus Christ stepped up there and bought it with his own blood, paid for you. So you are immortal now. Yeah. And why all this? Well, so you could hear about it, actually. So, so you could believe. I mean, if he just kind of changed everything 2000 years ago, you wouldn't be here now, would you? But he loves you that much. He loves you that much that with great patience he endures the vessels of wrath that are the fallen realities of this creation in order to prepare for himself, that is you, as his own habitation, vessels prepared for glory. The Holy Spirit being the only reason you believe anything I'm saying anyway, which means that you're possessed. Hello, welcome to being a Christian. Yeah, I want to tell you about how I am sad and angry though. Can I do this? this? Is this okay? It's a little... I feel a little vulnerable. Can I, can I, I'm going to make fun of it now. I, I've read this in like two or three places in the last three weeks, including a fiction book. So it can't have been planned by some sort of psychology preparedness on my own part. Like I'm, I'm reading the same ideas or something. Well, maybe I am. Maybe, maybe the fiction book is. But, but in any case, both or all three of these places suggested this thought, this thought, which is that if you can say out loud what you're feeling, even if you really don't like what you're feeling, you'll be able to understand what you're feeling. Now, I think this is what some people try to do when they vent, so-called. Uh, I, my, um, my understanding from the literature, so far as it exists, is that venting is not particularly helpful. It will just lead to more venting. It's sort of a rage cycle that you can create for yourself. So that's not what I'm talking about here. I make sure you, you, don't, you don't hear me saying that. I'm not talking about venting. Uh, the idea is a little more uh, contemplative than that. In fact, it, it wouldn't necessarily need to involve anybody else. Uh, however, it can, right? And, and, and maybe it will today. So, so well, it is, right? Here, here we are. The idea would be now that by me doing what I'm about to do, I'm going to grow as a human being. And it's, it is. It's intimidating. It's, it's, quite, it's quite vulnerable. Um, uh, I am quite vulnerable at this point. I feel nervous about this, okay? Uh, but the idea is that's the, that's what you need. So when you are feeling a emotion that you cannot control or that you feel is enslaving you, what you need is to realize that you're the slave driver, right? And the only way to cease being the slave driver is to cease being the slave driver. That is to be vulnerable, to, to have someone else be your authority. <laughs> uh, someone else have power over you with words, so here's the deal. I'm sad and I'm angry. And I've been for a long time, I think. And I, I don't talk about it because that would be 
to make other people sad and angry. I think I'm not sure exactly what it is in a polite American civilization, so-called, uh, <laughs> that makes it so we're not allowed to be sad or angry like at any time. Like you just can't have that happen. You're supposed to never let anyone know. And, and everyone's like drinking it away, right? Like the world is trying to drink that one down. And it, it doesn't really help if you haven't noticed. I mean, drinking doesn't make sad or angry go away. It just kind of delays them till tomorrow um, for a while. Uh, so in any case, that's not really what I want to go into. And I don't want to beat up people because of their various dopamine chasing habits. We've all got them. Uh, and they, they, they were sold to us. We're, we're the Borg so far as dopamine is concerned. Anyway, what I just want to deal with is that for my own part, somehow, and like my little poor little boy heart from like when I still remember being three or something, I'm still sad and angry. And I have been like, like forever somehow. And I'm not sure why I've tried to figure this out in my head. Like as, Oh, is it my father? Is it my mother? Is it my sister? Uh, you know, I, I love all these people. I know we, we've hurt each other and I think that's pretty normal. And my sad and angry is still here. Um, I, most recently I, I've, uh, I, I mean like we're reconciled. Right. And so I still have this, like this ache and I'm like, what is this thing? And, uh, most recently, um, I've tracked it a little bit to some emotions regarding my, my paternal grandfather who I did not know very much. Okay. So here's, I, feel, I suddenly feel vulnerable. Why? None of you know this guy. Why does this matter? But for some reason for me, you know, this is deep, this is deep. Okay. So, um, my paternal grandfather, uh, I barely knew, uh, by the time that I was three, he had already had, uh, a stroke, if not several that would increasingly deteriorate his ability to do anything other than watch TV, smoke cigarettes and eat ice cream, uh, <laughs> which he did, uh, until he, until he died in a nursing home. Um, but he did that for a long while under the care of my grandmother, both of them Lutherans for, you know, I understand that they were Christians, that they were attending church going Christians. But I, the only memories I have of this man are terrifying. They're absolutely terrifying. It's this dark, smoky room with this blue box with the nightly news on. I'm like three. And I know because I've been told that at one time he took a swipe at me while I was there. Uh, and I don't know what that means. But I know that when I talk about being sad and angry and then I tell that story, I feel better. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for letting me tell that story. Um, it hurts. It hurts to not know that your your filial love uh, is it hurts to know that your filial love is not as it should be because uh, it is undeserved amongst those who hold the office of father, right? So that, that fatherhood is always a matter of failure. And so grandfatherhood could only be more so in many ways. I think Christianity redeems your ability to see this, but that was certainly not the conversation going on underneath the blue smoky light of that apartment that I remember. So, you know, one of my big um, Skynet matrix uh, realities here is, is knowing that the, the, the symbolism of that moment of an old man uh, in a chair in front of a blue screen, um, not talking to anybody. Uh, I saw myself becoming that uh, in 2020. I, I suddenly, I stepped out of the, the box. I'm like, oh my goodness, that is me. And that's part of where my whole crusade against Skynet is coming from, like internally, right? It's like, wait a minute. This would be, um, forgive me, but three generations of this. And no, no more. It ends now. Uh, we're going to think now, or we're not going to let them talk to us now. Um, and this brings me maybe to the Sun Tzu issue. I mean, Sun Tzu, goodness gracious. I've been reading Sun Tzu since uh, New Jersey when I learned about it from watching The Sopranos, which you should not do. I really do not, do not recommend watching The Sopranos. Go read a Wikipedia article on it. Um, I mean, it, it was good acting, but 
God, what a waste of my life. Anyway, I learned about Sun Tzu. I did learn about Sun Tzu. At least I learned I could go find a copy of Sun Tzu uh, and try to read it. It's difficult stuff. But I have been pondering Sun Tzu for a while. And uh, believe it or not, I've, I've translated, kind of, uh, repeated, regurgitated uh, what I see to be the first, the first chapter of his book. And I did that about three or four months ago. It's just been sitting, and now I've started to look at it again, and I'm finding it's it's just tremendously useful stuff. So I want to share it with you. Uh, so here's just this first thought. I said it already this morning. Remember, Sun Tzu is a Chinese tactician, right, or strategist, or both, really. Uh, he is a man who has led armies in ancient China, whatever that means. Uh, he is a elite. He has had wide experience and had much victory. And then the text, whether it's from one man or many, and depending on your school of criticism, you know, you're going to have that kind of argument going on. Uh, the text uh, has come down to us as sort of a, an, a lasting treatise on strategy and thinking in the box and outside the box at the exact same time. Uh, it's lasted that long because no one else has really been able to compete with it. Although some will argue for, say, Musashi's Five Rings, uh, which I have read uh, a long time ago. I don't remember much of it um, or other things like that. In any case, um, what I am finding, though, is that, you know, regardless of who's the best or whatever and which old Japhethite, you know, his text has lasted so long. Um, aren't we supposed to tear all these things down these days? If you're if you're a Japhethite, I mean, it's happening anyway. What's that about? Uh, easy, everybody, right? Should we should we talk before there's another fire flood or something? Um, so here's how Sun Tzu opens his his strategy, right? His strategy is a book on how to think about your place in the planet. Let me back up and, and say this: Why would you, as a Christian, want to know some ancient pagan's idea about how to fight? Well, why would that be important to you? Well, because your country hasn't taught you how to fight. <laughs> and so you have no idea what it means to even be in a fight. Not really. Not really. And frankly, it's, it has very little to do with guns and fists. It has a lot more to do with understanding your position. Yeah. So you can, you can apply this to basketball. It's, in my head, is like the easiest way to look at it. Something like offense or defense. And you have five guys on the court for each team. And generally, they don't all play the same position that is they certainly aren't going to stand on top of each other right and and they're going to spread out and move around and have different skill sets to try to attack in different ways okay so that's that's you can you can apply sun tzu to stuff like that but the way i think it's more important is really your position as a human being and i know it's easy to forget you're a human being when you're plugged into skynet but when you step out you're, you're a body right and you're positioned in the world and no matter what you thought you did for the last four hours your body is actually who you are and so as so far as the rest of creation is concerned you know you were a potato <laughs> Yeah. And so uh, I think that it is high time that we begin to learn not to be potatoes, uh, that we learn to attack the darkness as Christians and cease letting it tell us to spend wide portions of our physical existence that Jesus has left us chasing after ideas that are imaginary and have nothing at all to do with our neighbor. Usually, really, for sure. I mean, actually, like look into it. Right? Unless your neighbor is someone on the other side of the planet, which is the opposite of the word neighbor. And so we live in upside down world. If you haven't figured that one out, I mean, at the Mad Christian Discord, we talk about this in various channels kind of regularly, that the planet's upside down. Just invert what everybody's saying and you find out what's really going on. You know, the, the hostage rescue team is quite often a terrorist kill squad. Like that's actually what they do. Right. So, so you know, Brave New World, 1984, you should read them. It's kind of real. It's not quite the same. But yeah, it's actually where we live. And, um, you know, there's zombies, too. It, it, the key to all of this 
premise being that if you can understand everything I just said through the dogmatic scriptures of Jesus Christ, it's not so bad. Um, They might indeed all kill us. This is true. It could happen. But in history, that happens sporadically. And usually when it does, it's like the greatest moments of the history of Christianity. Like you really get to just be like, you get to live Christianity. It's not like I get to sit back and wait to die to go to heaven or something, right? Like, like it's now. Heaven is now. The kingdom is now, right? That reality. Okay, so, so believing that and knowing that our society has not provided us a way to think like men about our position in the world, I figure Sun Tzu probably knew a thing or two, right? So let's listen to the guy. And, and, and what he says in you know, chapter one, verse one, not literally now, I'm translating for you, but it says, he says this, defense against the barbaric is vital and to fail to prepare is to study enslavement. Now, what do I mean? What does he mean? He means that no matter where you are in history, If you think it's going to just stay status quo like this, you're wrong. There are barbarians. There are people who don't like the positive that you see. They think it's a negative. They want to tear it down. So to fail to prepare to defend what you have, to think it's just going to kind of go on forever because you, right? To fail to prepare is to study to be you as a slave, to be conquered. It's just to prepare to be conquered. You're studying what it means to be conquered, Uh, to be a potato may indeed be being conquered by the robots when they make you battery. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the movies foretell it. Did the movies foretell anything truly? They're all dreams, aren't they now? They're all like little spells that make you think about the possible reality, which is not real. And this, again, is, is where if you're going to defend yourself against the barbaric, it's time for you to begin not listening to them. The barbaric right now is not coming to your house with a sword and a gun, probably. Now, you can extremize yourself. You can radicalize yourself and, and get yourself put in that position. Hello? what's on my shirt you know i mean i don't know i don't know but but that is not what they are generally doing to you they don't need to they don't need to all they gotta do is wait for your kids to go to school and college and then you're out (laughs) they got the time they got the understanding this game's been this casino game's been going on a while you gotta listen to a brief history of power with uh, dr Kuntz. uh check that out on itunes a brief history of power with dr Kuntz and me and me okay but uh you know the idea that america is what you think it is it just don't add up. Not with the actual history, and it's not this big giant conspiracy like like somehow the CIA alone has done all this. No, they're just they're just one head of Hydra, and Hydra's the zeitgeist, which is the devil. And what the devil is always gaming is the enslavement of mankind and the murder of their children. It's not that tough, guys. Really, just read the Bible. It's right there. The problem is. Problem is, First Corinthians, you ready? We're fused with the society and we can't see how religious we are with the pagan religion. Hmm? That's the problem in Corinth. And that's why there's so much churning and trouble in the congregations in Corinth that, well, don't they kind of sound familiar? They do if you look at them. Honestly, I've been in the game for 15 years. I've seen the up. I've seen the down. I'll tell you, there's a lot more darkness in what we call churches than there should be. Yeah. To fail to defend against the barbaric in your congregation, to fail to defend against the unbeliever, the scoffer, the fool who will arise among you, you're foretold this in scriptures, to fail to defend as men of faith, believing what you believe, knowing what you believe, and able to say, that's wrong, actually, man, you shouldn't say that in this place, because that's not what Jesus thinks. To fail to do that is to prepare to lose it. Sun Tzu, people, Sun Tzu. I mean, it's not like he was applying it to Jesus, but you should. You should. If you fail to listen to instruction, I believe the proverb says, you will cease knowing it. You will cease knowing it. Dopamine pathways. I already mentioned that today. That came out of uh, the Mad Christian Discord. You, if you're not, mm, I don't want you on the internet. I want you to leave the internet. 
But if you're going to be on the internet, where'd my water go? There's, you should be on the Mad Christian Discord. I'll be right back. Uh, five seconds, five seconds, five seconds. Where are you? Five seconds. You should be on the Mad Christian Discord because there are so many, like, hyper um, polymath people. People that just study everything and, and and maybe don't watch that many movies. I don't know. Maybe some of them do. Actually, there's there's all sorts of that there, too. You can talk to people who like gaming and whatever. But the whole point here of this Discord is to bring together Christians of goodwill who are hungry to see clearly with wisdom in the present age <clears throat> and don't mind letting me be the guy who regulates the place. So you're kind of under a Lutheran doctrine umbrella. Yeah. Um, we don't kick you out. We just ask you not to argue about it. You know, just don't don't make a fuss. But the idea here uh, is that there's there's cross pollination of intelligent Christianity from all over the world in this space, and uh, some of the conversation is beginning to blow me away. I, I used to be grabbing pieces of it to throw out in the Mad Monday's newsletter, which you should just you should subscribe to at refis.com/newsletter. Um, pulling out pieces of it for the Illuminati section where we highlight someone who sends us something or writes something that is connected to Mad Christianity uh, that we think is really really intelligent. I think this week I, I wanted to send like five things. I mean, we're going to send out a newsletter that's 15 pages long by the time you guys are done. And, and this is just hanging out in, the, in that chat room there. And someone brought up <clears throat> those chat rooms, I should point out. Someone brought up uh, dopamine neural pathways and how difficult it is to rewire your brain once you've been set on a dopamine like hunger uh, cycle. I've never heard anyone say that before. But it like congealed a million things for me uh, in terms of my own experience. You know, the reason they were putting me on serotonin reuptake inhibitors when I was 17 uh, is because I have a dopamine hunger. Sugar, drugs, alcohol, sex. Dopamine is the, is the pleasure um, uh, hormone of your brain. And our society is, all, is just starving for it. And we're on this like... Uh, binge for it. Now, maybe we've always been like this. Maybe humanity has always been like this. But part of me is thinking again, especially when the comment said, dopamine neural pathways are hard to rewire. Aha, aha. Uh, What's really hard is to unwire them. When you look at a blue screen and it's flashing colors, dopamine. When you look away, no more dopamine. You're raised on this stuff. It's the kind of like how you learn to see. Yeah, you're going to be wired for dopamine. So what I'm trying to do right now myself is unwire. Like literally, I want to unwire my brain. I believe the gray matter inside your head is, is pretty organically miraculous. I'm not talking supernatural Jesus right now. I'm just talking created order. And I think there's way more going on up there than even the people who like think they know what's going on is going on. Certainly, as they've shown recently, which they used to say couldn't happen, you can regrow brain cells. <laughs> uh, and, and you can also um, learn to think in new ways. Shut down other areas and sort of just quiet them out. You know, we never really use more than, what is it, a fifth of the brain? Anyway, so uh, let, me, let me contend that, yeah, indeed, the dopamine hunger is for reals. And let me suggest that you can't fix it while you're watching movies. You can't. It won't work. Let me suggest this, all right? So I'm going to say watching TV a lot, I think, in the future. Like, to me, the thing I'm against is watching TV. I am not necessarily against the Matrix. That is, the internet. You have to live with the Matrix. It exists. You can't do anything about it. But you got to know who the agents are that are running that thing 
And so it's all like lies and twists and deception the entire time, right? So, uh, you know, email, online banking, if you need to, I don't know. Uh, whatever you think the internet is actually necessary for, I'm not telling you it's not necessary or you can't use it or it's a sin. No, like get out of that language, right? I'm not, I'm not even anywhere near that, okay? Um, but what I do think though, is that, so watching TV equivalent, equaling to something called, or let's call it blue light entertainment. If your pastime is staring at blue light and if you're moving your thumbs, that counts as staring, okay? Typing your fingers kind of still counts as staring. If that's your pastime, um, then start counting how much of it you do, right? Look at it and then put it into like a religious aspect. Imagine that Skynet is a religious organization right now that just wants to regularly program you by having you watch their entertaining stuff. Huh? And you got to do it often enough to stay on board. Now, I didn't go watch the movie They Live, which I mentioned on a Brief History of Power recently. I probably won't go watch it. I think just reading the Wikipedia article was all I needed to do. But it really... Goodness gracious, they live. I'll just leave that as an Easter egg for you right now and uh, stick with this one, okay? Watching TV, meaning relying on blue light and staring at it for your entertainment. Like, this is how I rest, okay? <laughs> uh, that this not only is going to give you anxiety, it will, um, but this is the way that Skynet programs you. How do they program you? With dreams. They give you an imaginary world that is 99% real and 1% not real. And then over the course of, well, weeks probably, but they, you know, years, decades, they move you. They've been doing it since the, what, 20s, 30s when they figured this stuff out. Where did all this tech come from, I wonder? Who are they praying to out there in California? You can check out anytime you like. You can never, ever leave. Humans aren't really paying attention. That's kind of the key to all of this. No one's paying attention to what's going in their head or their bodies these days we're not paying attention we don't even know we have bodies but th the fact is though so, so you want to talk conspiracy again right uh, humans aren't good enough we're not good enough to be totally this conspired but dark things are and this is where if you're just an agnostic well good luck to you on that one buddy uh, there's an evil world out there that you can't see and you can pretend it's just maybe there but the big picture is not so much about your personal experience day to day it's called generational and corporate realities tied to blood guilt in the land and that that's something the history of the bible tracks pretty directly and golly i'm i'm not excited to be an american about that issue at the moment the dark things have moved us into a place where we are carrying so much baggage for what we have done i mean how long did it take to fill up the amalekite sin uh that, that, that's that's the issue right there right and as a christian as a christian i assume this is going to happen to every civilization ever so i'm not surprised by this i'm not hurt by this i'm not i mean as i figured out I was like i should not be scared by this i have been i have been i'm working through it though because there's no reason to be scared by this is what noah had to do is what abram had to do is what david had to do is every generation has to own it themselves they have to own it themselves and see that it is their own personal end of the world, even if it isn't actually the end of the world, which if you think about how Alice in Wonderland has gotten out there compared to, say, Jesus Day, I mean, wow, we are a lot. Luther thought it was the end of the world. Wesley thought it, they all ever everyone thought it was the end of the world. And look how nuts it's gotten in these last 50 years. I don't know. The dark things are out there. I'm not afraid of the dark things because Jesus Christ is my God. More on that with one of your questions coming up here in a little bit. Oh, goodness. Can I save that for later? I may need to save that for later. What time we got here? I got to leave right on time today, and I want to get to all your questions. We have lots of them. Uh, we can save that for later. I want to say this one today, though. So Christianity is not a theory. Probably should have led with this one. Christianity is not a theory. 
I know you probably know this, but again, the more you spend time in Skynet's programming, the more you're going to think everything's a theory. And we kind of live in a in a bouncy platonic world filled with Aristotelian like pressure points that are used by powers to move those who float in their platonic realms into the categories they want them in. And so Christianity usually gets treated like a theory. And so we treat it like a theory when we talk about it. And that's one of the major problems with being a modern person because Christianity is not a theory. A theory is like an idea that you can like argue about and like maybe disagree about, right? Like it's right or it's wrong. Christianity isn't that and it never has been that. Anyone who says it's that's a moron. They're not watching. They're not watching. Christianity is a man. Christianity is a man. It's not a theory. Christianity is a man who was born to be king against all odds and yet prophesied. Okay, so you believe it or don't, but don't tell me you're going to argue against it. Like you just, you just don't believe it. That's that's really what it is. There's no arguing here. There's no reason debate. You just don't believe it. There's a guy two thousand years ago born to be the king who beats death, and he either did or he didn't. Whatever else we have to say after that's pretty much ludicrous. Uh, so it's ludicrous if we're right because you can't understand it till you believe it, and it's ludicrous if we're wrong because we're nuts to believe it. Uh, so again, it's not the kind of thing that you can think through. You don't get to think through your Christianity. And most of the arguments in Protestantism, by the way, I'm not saying they don't mean anything. They do. They're the devil's ploy. But most of them are because the Reformed, sorry, think you can think through all theology. And you can't. And Lutherans, we've gone with you. We're soulless for this reason. We've like dogmatized ourselves into a corner of not being able to understand what we're talking about anymore. We just shout the words. And, and it, blah. so you, you cannot think through Christianity. It is not like buying a car as if we really think through buying cars. Jesus said, forgive them. They know not what they do. It's about a man. It's about a man. Huh. Uh, that one's good, too. That doesn't connect. Let's take a little break, come back to your questions and the Bible's answers, along with a lot of my probable nonsense. Just a minute here, and we will return. Rocket. Great conversation going on in, in the side about blue light detoxing and how to deal with the Bible, you know, get, uh, whether the Bible will help with this and how, yes, it does, because you're precisely because just reading the Bible is not blue light. So you're learning how to live kind of as an organic human again with just normal inputs rather than the matrix shoved in the back of your head. Honestly, if you've seen the movie, okay, if you're going to try this, see the movie first <laughs> and then realize you're about to have your head pulled out of that, you know, the, the pin pulled out of your head and, uh, Living without blue light is disorienting. It's 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 a struggle. Your your brain chemistry really as as a man, I can only speak as a man. I haven't done as a woman. I'm assume it's the same but different. Um, it's like it's it's you're searching for <laughs> for who you are, honestly, uh, and you're realizing you've been an avatar. That's that's my experience. Okay, and so so then the question, who am I, gets really really hard since I can't go look it up. Like on my computer, right? Uh, and so anyway, that conversation, you guys just started that on the side. That's great. That's what the Mad Christian Discord is for. You can find it by searching for us, The Chill, on Discord. Discord is a platform for managing conversations and networks, generally for teams to game together. However, we're going to game the real world. Real world. I'm not so much into the games anymore. Ender, Ender stopped gaming once he figured out what was actually going on. He he got busy. So, um, Ender's game. I will talk about that again in the future. Your questions coming your way. Pastor Fisk says, Anonymous, thank you for answering my question last week. This was about, I believe, uh, how can the death of an infant uh, be God's plan, right? And go check that out from last week's episode of Mishpat, I believe was that last week's 
last week's episode. Uh, I have a clarifying question. You said a possible reason why a child would die was, quote, excuse me, because God wanted it to, because I don't believe it would be God's best plan. It's out of context. That is pretty hard to understand right there. Uh, It was to strengthen my faith. Okay, yes, amen. I'm pretty sure that's what I was trying to say uh, in some way. Uh, I know you are not trying to say it is my fault. Um, No, that was not the intention to say such a thing across such a public forum. Um, But uh, then what do you mean? I'm struggling not to take your answer uh, out of context, you probably mean, right? Uh, so what I'm trying to get at, I think in that section is the idea that the only thing keeping it from being God's best plan is you not believing it's God's best plan. As soon as you believe it's God's best plan, you're like, well, it's gotta be. So it must be. So there's a reason, even if I don't know it. It's God's best plan. So, so it's really, the question is one that, that has to be answered with faith deciding to not understand. <laughs> uh, and doing so, whether ahead of time, after time, in a conversation like we're having right now. The baby died because it was God's best plan. It always is. You know that nothing happens that is not. So, believe it. The baby didn't die because you don't believe it. You just don't see how it was God's best plan because you don't believe it. And if you believe it, it'll strengthen your faith, literally. Like you're you're believing what you don't understand, (laughs) which is what faith is, which is amazing that the Protestant world thinks it's preaching faith while it's preaching reason. It's amazing. No wonder no one's listening anymore. Uh, Reason is dying. Have you watched the clock? It fell off the wall in my house. Oh my goodness. Oh, fell. Mm relative terms in these postmodern times. Uh, it was to strengthen your faith. Uh, not, oh, I wanted to mention though, okay, I'm not trying to say it was your fault, John 9.3, um, but what do I mean? So try, John 9.3 and other texts like it are for us to, to know that God isn't vindictively like tit for tatting you right now. <laughs> That's judgment day. Right now, he's bending all things towards your salvation in an inequivalent exchange. Uh, he's not trying to trick you. He's trying to save you. And that goes for everybody. Everybody, you, you you don't believe me? You think you're one of the ones that's not for? Well, that's on you then, I suppose. That's your decision, and that's actually what happens. That's how it happens. Ah, he's not trying to trick you. He's trying to temper you in. He's trying to pull you through the thorns, the thistles. They got their their fingers around your neck, huh? and and your Donnie's trying to bring you up faithfully without pulling out your roots as you grow together with them. Uh, and in this, then you shouldn't see anything as a Christian, shouldn't see anything that comes from God on anyone as anything but his blessing, his blessing, which is intended to strengthen their faith. Now, with all that said, like with such utter certainty, let us not think that we cannot, in fact, bring down our own houses with our own hands. Please let us not pretend that we cannot do things that in fact cause infertility to our bodies. That's one of the big debates in the vaccine world right now. Is it not? I don't even look and I'm hearing about it now and I don't want to look because it's terrifying. And I already know. I mean, we're so evil. We've got to be doing most of what they say we're doing. Oh, it's really sad. Ah. So, I mean, look, if you're going to pump your body full of things that it hasn't ever been, humans never been pumped full of in history. And then some things happen to your body. You can't say like, that isn't God doing this to me. But what you can say as a Christian is that the consequences of your actions even when shown to you, are but your father's discipline, meant only to help you see who you are before you die. And it really isn't about getting better, although while you're here, you might as well try. 
Uh, but but I mean, you might as well. You, know, you can just die too, and then you're fine. You're you're there. You're in. You're his son again, right? Remember these things. Don't forget these things. Uh, but then do not use your wisdom that knows you're his son to ignore what you maybe could change. Now, I'm not really talking to you specifically, anonymous. I'm talking to the internet when I say that, right? I don't I don't think you particularly need to be called to account for whatever issues. And I don't know you. I don't know you. Um, but I do know we live in an age which does like to to um, uh, not take ownership of the consequences of, of actions. And so we need to be able to do both of those things uh, as we as we are Christians. See that the Lord uh, is never vindictive, ever. He's, he's always gracious. Huh? He desires mercy, not sacrifice. Uh, even as he vindicates, he vindicates to save. Uh, so we, we see that first. And then we also realize that creation is what it is. It runs on its program. Uh, the natural law is there. And if, if you break it, it's going gonna, it's gonna, to, well, not just hurt. Um, it's going to do stuff, right? Bad stuff. So um, owning that as well and realizing that in our age, there's lots of things we're doing to human bodies that could increase infertility. Um, you know, like not having babies until you're 45. I just saw another article about that too. Is it freezing the embryo eggs or whatever? Freezing the eggs. Why not freeze? Em- I don't know. I don't want to go. Carl. Carl says this. Let's start with, let's go here. Um, I'm going to take a quick drink. Oh, water. All right. And I'll bring the coffee on screen for you because it makes me feel like Kermit the Frog. There we go. Carl. Carl says, would you ever consider doing a YouTube Greek class or do you know of one already out there worth watching? Um, Carl, I think that's a really cool idea. Uh, what I have realized is I can do pretty much no more online than I'm doing now ever, <laughs> except for uh, maybe one podcast, uh, which would be one I would do with my wife for which uh, I just need the right uh, network to fall into place so I don't overload my, my network that's already here. But I have no intention at this point to do any more media production than I'm already doing. I think I'm doing quite a bit, honestly. Uh, and and uh, I want to balance that, balance that. I want it to be an actual side gig. Uh, I want it to, and, and then put the fruit, uh, uh, the fruit of that uh, financial support that you all send into doing what I talk about, which is uh, being active locally. And uh, trying to invest in this village, this area around this congregation, which is here and waiting for uh, someone who cares, really. Um, And so uh, to do that, what I want to do is start something that is only local. And that's what I'm going to do with with the Greek. (laughs) Uh, And for for that reason, I want want you, if you're out there, to consider visiting here just to go to that class one night. I want you, if you're out there, to consider moving here just to go to that class for two years and then move away. I want, I mean, if you're young and you can, why not? Um, That's what I want to do. And you're not going to do that if I give it to you online. I want to, I want to actually, my goal here, Carl, is to capitalize on everything I've ever done online for all y'all and say, I'll do more, but no more online, but I'll do a whole lot more. Uh, in fact, you can sit and we can reason together from the scriptures and, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the master. You're going to be the disciple. This is dojo talk here, right? But, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be cool. Um, so we have, and I don't, I, I'll find it. I think maybe as we here, yeah, it was, here it is. Ooh, ooh, wrong, wrong button. Um, nope. Somewhere in today's stuff, there is 
and or maybe it's not. It, we'll, we'll get it into Mad Mondays if it's not in today's stuff. Uh, in response to this, someone somewhere in the network has pointed out there already is a really great Greek online YouTube class. Uh, it's highly recommended, seems to have really good reviews. Uh, and so, I mean, take it for what it is. It's it's some guy on YouTube. Maybe he's a heretic, and we'll talk about what that means later. Uh, but, you know, I'm also, you know, part of me not doing something like this is me knowing now that most of what I want to do that I think is a really great idea, someone else is ahead of me and already doing it. And so it's probably better to support them than just do my own until I find the thing I can't not do. And the thing I can't not do, that's what I should do, which right now happens to be building desks. I don't know why. Like, I thought I was a writer. Well, I think about that. But anyway, um, Carl, yes, I, we know of one and there is a rec for it somewhere, but I don't see it immediately in front of me. Um, I know uh, Frisbee mentioned it in the in the briefing. I get a briefing on my Saturday mornings. A briefing. Do you hear me? The power uh, in the briefing. Chair. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. Um, so uh, we will get that out through our media. And so if you haven't signed up for Mad Mondays, then you really need to, don't you now? Yeah, that's right. That's right. See how we do it. See how we do it in the dictatorship of the mad Christian world. You will sign up for the newsletters from these German peoples who are so organized because they are German peoples and lived in the woods with the snows. Yes, alone for a long time went crazy and stuff anyway um they, i'm i'm mostly telling the truth through all of that andrew says this hello <laughs> pastor fisk i was i'm gonna well, hold on i'm gonna back off i mean how's that it's it's that or garrison keeler which one which one do you want you know you want you <laughs> swedish fishing village or or like or like air Pastorland. yes yes oh man uh which nobody in my generation realized we still live in air pastor land. It's really a weird dynamic air pastor land where air pastor has no power is strange. It's very strange, but it's actually kind of fun. Um, you're like a pet. And as long, if you realize that and become the best pet you can, they might figure out who you really are, uh, which is their shepherd. Uh, hello, pastor Fisk says, Andrew, I was curious what would be a good place to look for early church history. Oh gosh, I was going to grab that book. I'm going to have to run away from the screen here in a moment uh, to get this. Uh, uh, okay, hold on. I will go during a break and get the book I want to show that show you for that one. So we're gonna go to Lynn. Come back to we'll come back to Andrew. Andrew, sit down. Be quiet. You should not ask questions so early in the show. Lynn says this, dear Pastor. That's my self talk coming out. I'm gonna be vulnerable again. I'm so mean to myself. Dear Pastor Fisk, uh, is Jesus my friend? Is Jesus my brother? How may we call him? Who may we see him as? This is such a cool question. Thank you for inviting questions from... You're welcome. Uh, P.S. Something I greatly appreciate in your output is that you give us the best, I think, helpful summaries of Christianity and of who or what a Christian is. Thank you. Um, thanks for saying that last part there. I, I, I would like to suggest that the real reason you listen to me is twofold. Um, I repeat the wisdom of the law of Scripture, and I don't water it down. Uh, and then I remember and tell you that the law doesn't save you, that Jesus already has. And they just live in that reality. I, I don't try to balance it. I don't try to make every conversation like trick you into being into Jesus now through, oh, the gospel. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't do any of that. I just rightly distinguish them when I talk about them, which is what Walther says, you know, if you're LCMS, you know, we should do. I, I prefer the confessions to Walther. You know, the, the proper distinction between law and gospel is a particularly glorious light. That is, it's like a highest form of wisdom. And so I think why you watch is because you hear that. And uh, it doesn't mean I'll always do it, by the way. So don't assume I'm saying like, therefore, I'm good. <laughs> 
no, the terror, the terror of the Lord is bombing me on this one. Like I am on, I am on his docket. It comes out of my mouth because he breathes it, right? And he'll take that away as soon as he wants to. Um, hence, I, I, I continue to pray. Teach me to pray. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yes, that's that's for the PS. So, is Jesus your friend, your brother? What do we call him? Uh, the first thing that comes to mind for me is my Lord and my God. Uh, for myself, in this last year, 2020, and into into 2025, as we've just come into, in my mind at least, uh, <laughs> I think acknowledging the name Jesus Christ as something I'm not embarrassed to say. And to be fair, why was I embarrassed? Not because of Bible Jesus, but because of American Jesus. Um, but I'm done with that. American Jesus is just an idiot. I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I'm gonna talk him out of talking. Uh, realizing that the name Jesus Christ then is a name of power and that that power is begun by being able to say Jesus Christ is my God. For me personally, that's been like the revolution inside, right? Like, like wake up, regenerate. Hello, I have a God. Like, no, 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 no. Like a real one that does stuff. No, not just answer your magic prayers. Just move all history to leave before you the path that he's prepared for you according to your life in his word, regenerating to be filled with blessings and glory and suffering into his cross and his hope. Ah, you know, I mean, that, that, that seems like enough for me. I mean, but, but okay, from God, he's your king. He's your God king who is then a father because all kings are fathers. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't normally call Jesus my father because he is pointed that title to the father in heaven. Yeah. Um, and so in that regard, there is no man, even Christ, who is the father in heaven. And we should not confuse that reality. Right. Um, but he does exercise the fatherly office. He is the image of the father. How could he not then be a father to us? But not only is he a father, unlike the father, he is a brother, right? He is of the same flesh as us born from the same mother as us. Wow. That's deep. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, so yeah, he's your brother, but see the language here, friend and brother, the way we use it in English, it's so, it's so profaned. English is a profane language. This is why I'm going to be teaching uh, the Greek and, and the Hebrew, um, in the dojo, uh, is because English is a profane language. It, it is, it is incapable of by itself with single words that we know and understand and remember, because we're all so profane. We don't read. It's incapable of carrying with it the potency of the ancient world's talk. I forget if it was Wolf Miller or someone else who said to me, uh, this is in the last couple of months, <laughs> he suggested, I think it was Wolf Miller, that we're not evolving. This is, this is so awesome. We're devolving, but we're too dumb to see it. So we keep think we think we're evolving, but we're all like, you go back three generations and let's just say that we're, we're way more dumber than we think or we are, right? Um, <laughs> and you go back further and further and that's true. And you, you know this because you try to read the books. You're like, well, it's really hard. And well, some of it's linguistic change, but, but is all of it then. And so right now we're trapped with like babbly baby language. So is Jesus my brother? Well, who has a brother or enough of them to know what that means when it means the brother of all mankind, you know, the leader of the tribe, the eldest of us who leads us in battle. None of us grew up with that. So how can we even begin to comprehend what it means. And, and so to call him my brother means to call him like my teammate or something. I mean, that's like the closest I ever got. I didn't have a brother. There's some anger. 
A lot of sadness right there. Forgive me. Oh, man. I didn't even know that one was coming. Um, how many we call him? Friend? I mean, he says, I have called you friends. But even that word, philos, uh, closer to brother again, and is less... So friendship today is a feminine word. Friend means feminine things. Even brother's been feminized. Friend is a feminine word. It's soft and squishy. It would never be mean. Friends don't fight. Brothers fight, and they're better for it. And I think once upon a time, boys that were friends fought. Boyfriends... (laughs) Can't say that today because they're liars, aren't they? Uh, Boyfriends fought once upon a time and were stronger for it afterwards. Now, were there times when it got out of hand? Absolutely. That's why they need fathers. Yeah, fathers who understand that boys sometimes have to scuffle and figure it out. In any case, goodness. So, so, you know, can you call Jesus your friend? You can. You can. Uh, And can you call him your brother? Yeah, absolutely. If you want to call him your father, technically, you can see him as your liege lord and father. You can say that, right? The sender of, he's so many things to us. Emmanuel, his names are, are, are manifold. Uh, what do you call him? I would say call him the one you most recently need to see him most as. And let me just suggest that for most of us right now, it's God. <laughs> you know, uh, like really, for sure. Like when he says it in the Bible, he means, yeah, for sure. No, don't question. No, no, no. I didn't mean, no, don't contextualize. I mean it. And uh, we all we all could use a big heaping helpful of that these days, I think. So, um, but you, you hear what I'm saying too. Uh, king of kings, Lord of lords. It's very helpful to see him as your king, I think, especially because we don't have one. And so, to begin to remember what it is to have a god, you got to remember what it is to have a king. Now, wait a minute. We do have one. He just doesn't let us call him that. And there, he's he's marshaling his troops. Have you noticed the troops are marshaling, uh, and the city states are all prepping, and there's all sorts of weird going on. But it, we don't think like that anymore, so it's hard to talk about it now, isn't? Because it's just Fox. Oh, let's go. Let's go take America back. Let's turn this state red. Oh goodness gracious! Heaven preserve us, dear heavens, pr- from the Republicans and the Republican Party that has failed us so tremendously. I haven't left yet. But I'm contemplating becoming a pro-life Democrat just to be in their midst. <laughs> I'll disagree with everything else they do, and I'll say I'm a pro-life Democrat. And then I'll just, they won't be able to, like, run against me. Ha! Except in the primary where they'll have to hear me talk. I'm not going to do it because I'm a pastor. But really, really, uh, if, we, if we put our hope in the, in the GOP, we got, we got trouble. We got trouble. We got trouble. They are, they are princes. Trust not in princes. Andrew says this. I was curious what would be a good place to look for early. <laughs> I said this already, didn't I? Now it's not fair. Now I'm embarrassed and shamed. I'll be right back in uh, under three minutes to, to, to answer that question. We'll get another hour. All right. All right. So, so we're back here and um, I, I'll address this right now. Um, thank you, Marilyn Jit Kundo. Uh, who dropped a, a significant super chat for me here. I'll drop it on the screen uh, earlier. And then they're talking about uh, whether I saw it <laughs> down there. And the way that all questions go, you know, if you put questions, super chats in, we'll catch it by next week is usually the way it is. I try to catch them if I can, but I am one man in this show. Uh, so uh, with that, though, uh, you remind me, I've been demonetized. I, I mean, I've been demonetized. Which, which, which one is it? I've been demonetized or demonetized? I don't know. And it may not even be for what I say. I'm not going to go spend the 30, 45 minutes figuring out why they demonetize me. Maybe it's because I use music. The music was stuff I paid for, and I don't monetize any of the stage channels that have the music on it. And I, so I, I don't I, But the funny thing is, is I was like really and honestly thinking this like in the last month and a half. I, was, it's one, I plan differently than I used to. So I just let the thought ponder. I'm like, okay, if it comes back, it's probably a good idea. 
And as it comes back and gets closer, it starts to get closer to happening. So what was closer to, to me actually going and spending time doing was demonetizing my channel. <laughs> I, bet that, I was like, I got, you know, it's not worth a hundred bucks a month. I get from the thing to even be at risk copyright and all that kind of garbage. So, um, so thank you for the super chat. And in that regard, I have no idea how this lines up with the demonetized channel. I, I mean, maybe they'll shoot me now. I and there's another one coming. Thanks Jedi Knight. Um, but, but, you know, send them in, they're here, and I'll definitely answer your questions, and we'll catch them if I miss them uh, in the future. Uh, since this one is here on screen, Merlin Jitkondo says, What advice would you give an organist in a pastorless congregation who selects hymns based on the lectionary but must deal with head elder congregants who constantly complain about the lack of koa? Um, honestly, I'm going to tell you something that uh, I, I learned the hard way after 14 years, 15 years pray. I'm not kidding. Like, like for each person by name, the ones that complain real prayers, like ask for them to get something, let your anger be there, but do not in your anger, pray for anything that would harm them. Let your anger move you to pray for their good as best as you can see it. And, uh, that's, that's my real advice. Uh, the, Oh man, if you go to CPH, ConcordiaPublishinghouse.org, or call them, their, their website is a disaster as a search engine. So call them. Their customer service tends to be quite good. Uh, and ask for the hymn planning, hymnal planning, organist planning. There's, a, there's actually a guide for the hymnal that will give you for every week hymns that go with the text that are appointed, one year and three year, I believe. Um, and like other suggested hymns, which are always going to have the most... Um, schmaltzy available in there. And so you can, you can pick those to maybe satisfy for the time being. The other answer I would give you is like, you know, I just don't know how to do that. Or, I mean, I don't know how to do that because once upon a time I did that and I thought it was going to send me to hell and I repented. So please don't ask me to do that. That's my answer. (laughs) It really is my answer. (laughs) You know, like, like revivalism is death. And so I don't care if you want some piano I, I don't mind a little guitar if we got someone who's actually any good at it. It's, it's a hard instrument, you know? And we're not going to sit here and let you just kind of yuppie string around for a while. Is that your show? Yeah. But, you know, look, you want to bring an orchestra together? Let's bring an orchestra together. Let's do something. Oh, no one's got time for that, right? We just, we just wanted our show. Oh, you want to be entertained. Turn the TV off. So pray. Pray, my friend. And then secondarily, be ready to confess why it hurts you. Take pain out of your mouth and say, that music hurts me. I'm weird. I'm, I'm so weird. Please bear with me as the weaker brother. That is not an argument. That is not a ploy. That is honest to goodness, biblical truth. Thank you for the question. We got another one that came in down here. Oh my goodness. You guys are dropping them like bombs on me here. Let's see. Uh, I have not forgotten uh, the recommendation book. So uh, Jenna Knight says GOP is a con- is controlled opposition. I would uh, concur uh, so far as the zeitgeist sees the thing for sure. The Democrats didn't uh, hate the GOP. They hated a GOP not under their control. <laughs> Sounds about right. Sounds about right. I, I just let that one go. Drift away. A brief history of power if you want more of that kind of crazy madness for us Christians. Uh, Shelly says this. Uh, pair? Is that is that the word pair? Pair character dancing under... Oh, you know what? Aha. This happened once before. You sent me a really pretty fun thing everyone can see but me. And so instead it says on my screen, pair character dancing under a rain of confetti and taking his hat off to say, you are 
amazing. Yeah, that's all I get to see. But thank you for sending it to me. And uh, Jedi Knight comes back again. Uh, it's better to view the Democrats as an inner party and the GOP as an outer party. Being a pro-life Democrat will get you further than being a Republican. That's That was what I was thinking, and you've just affirmed my... My madness, my madness. I'm an insane man. Oh, my goodness. Andrew says this. Vahila Hemla Michelle. Ungalos Shatay He does not say that. That means I am to them a song and the drunkards make a joke of me. Uh, Andrew says this. Hello, Pastor Fisk. I was curious where would be a good place to look for early church history on how Christians lived in the early centuries after the apostles. Would the early church fathers, desert fathers, be a good place to start? Peace of the Lord, Andrew. Certainly, the, read the apostolic fathers. Okay, That's a collection that comes from the first 100 to 300 years. Eh, that's not 300. 100 to 200 years. After uh, the apostles and even overlapping with the lives of the apostles, uh, these are not inspired. Uh, for all we know, they do contain errors and, and certainly would have a perspective that's quite different than, say, the jargonizing we've learned the Reformation from. And so uh, they will be a challenging read to you. And I highly recommend them, though. Don't get too thrown off by it. Recognize that you don't even know how to understand what they're saying. And if they say something that sounds wrong to you, it's because they have a context that you just haven't learned about yet. And there's a way to biblically understand what they said. This is a good way to approach many of our debates, even though we do have to recognize, as we're going to get to in, in a little bit, there's such a thing as truth and falsehood. It doesn't mean there ain't such a thing. Um, but, uh, you know, not all of us are able to see the same at the same time. And sometimes we have to be able to talk. To help each other see, right? Uh, okay, so getting into a conversation with the apostolic fathers on your own, not a bad idea, right? Like open that door. There they are. They say some stuff. First Clement, like he's like, you're, you're, you're kind of, I, I don't know. Why did he, um, hmm. Yeah, and that's maybe where you'll come out of it a little bit, but that's, that's a good thing to do. Now you mentioned then the Desert Fathers. I wouldn't hop directly to the Desert, desert Fathers from that or, or maybe ever. Although I have recently, now watch what I do here. I have recently been contemplating reading a few Desert Fathers, yeah? Why? Uh, because what the Desert Fathers realized was that they needed to contemplate their Christianity more than living in the city was letting them do. That's an interesting insight. Now, what they actually did with that was like, you know, one guy sat on a pole for like f four years or something. I mean, and, and they definitely get mystical. It, it, it is closer to say, a Gnostic spirituality where you're trying to encounter the, the raw God as your enlightenment. Um, so the desert fathers are full of dross, I guess is another way I'd say it, but they were probably most, many of them are Christians. I mean, it's just, they, they believed in Jesus. They were reading his word. They were baptized. Um, they didn't go to church often. I can't say that's a good decision. So I don't know, right? Again, they, they end up in caves battling the devil in their own head. I wouldn't want to do that without church, <laughs> you know, without good preaching. But anyway, uh, so I, I wouldn't recommend really diving into that. What I'm going to say instead is, is grab yourself. It's not going to be cheap. What is it? Oh, it is 2750. The Oxford Illustrated History of Christianity. I have not read it yet. I picked this book up because I was at a conference last summer with a guy named uh, Dr. Kuntz, and we were walking by a table of books that was all like giveaways, like freeze. Like everyone take this if you want it. And Dr. Kuntz in this like wide table of books points at this one and says, oh, that one's really good. I'm no fool. I'm no fool. I've gotten like 10 pages into it. Yeah, 15. It is It is actually very good. And it's the kind of book that it's going to take me. I mean, I've read books this thick before and I'm looking at probably five to seven years of work here, but I, I will get through it. I'm only... 42. Um, so how old are you? What this will do is we'll give you a pretty objective 
like American historian, uh, enlightenment historian, objective perspective on the wide variety of expressions of Christianity, not merely in a direct thread to say Western Lutheranism or Western Calvinism, uh, but the, the the spider web that occurred, Byzantium and the Far East, like like all that stuff should be in here, um, and it's going to walk you through how that spread happened, how much ethnicity was involved in so much of this tribalism, things like that. So that's why I'm going to read it, and why I would recommend it be the place that you go if you really want to know about early church history, that'd be the book to look at. All right. Yes. Thank you, Dr. Kuntz for the wrecks whenever they come. All right. Kate says this. Kate says, I have a pretty exclusively, I have pretty exclusively concentrated on my scripture in the past few days. News makes me angry. Irish. Being Irish makes you angry, but then again, so does being a human. So I don't feel so special. You Irish people, you're just... You're just lowland Scotsmen across the water. Um, and we're all nuts. Yeah, because we're Japhethites. Well, Japhethites are nuts. I don't know. Are we all nuts? We're all nuts. We're all nuts. Just nuts in different ways. If you don't know why I'm mentioning Japhethites, it's because I continue to ponder. I don't really understand this stuff. I continue to ponder the reality that all of what we see today, ethnically, comes from three brothers and their three wives, who might have been pretty diverse people, wives speaking, uh, when the flood came for Noah. I imagine they were. Uh, they were of uh, a variety of expressions of the gene pool of this 900-year-old populace of, of people, right? Um, and uh, who knows? Uh, but coming from those families and starting to realize how much like a generation or two back explains what's going on for me right now, uh, and I can see and understand myself better if I see myself as a line, a lineage of these people, including their ideas uh, and whatnot, um, I think that Japhethite, Hamite, and uh, Shemite realities are are fascinating. I'll just put it that way. They're fascinating. It is it is interesting that the other people who are white are Asians. It's really interesting. I mean, I don't think they're looking at the Bible to make these decisions. And yet, the history that they dismissed as being untrue from the Bible seems to be what they're talking about. The more that that's a reality, the more I want to not listen to anybody except the Bible and anybody who wrote about Christianity like 150 years ago or before. <laughs> Not that that's not fair. I've, there are plenty of really good modern books on Christianity, but um, what I'm hungering for is is uh, to get out of that just even box, right? That box is too secularized, it's too rational. But your point is is very very good here. Um, news makes us angry. If you're gonna, it's the, the Bible says this. Uh, a story from far away. Uh, it, it, how's it go? I'm gonna, it's like in chapter 18 or 17, and it's that. I'm, I'm terribly paraphrasing it, but it's, there is peace until the news comes. Th- that's what it says. There is peace until the news comes. Uh, you, you don't want news. It does make you angry. So you're focusing on scripture, which isn't going to make you angry. It might show you that you are angry, help you deal with your anger, but it's not going like, to make you angry. Um, uh, so the world will spiral downward without the word. Amen to that. And that's what's happening. So Christians arise, pray your word, get it in your life. God will preserve you and us one way or the other. Got to believe it. And again, it's, it's a much better way to live. How do we remove ourselves from the mounting chaos that is the duplicitous noise in Christ? Amen. Um, well, how are you doing it, right? Uh, I think what I said earlier today is really helpful if you, if you don't get upset by it, which is distinguish between blue light entertainment and blue light work. Do that first. Make a line. Realize you can't stop your blue light work. Like not right now. If you want to stop your blue light work, you need like a five-year plan, which I have, by the way. Um, <laughs> not for the show, though. I'm never giving rid of this, but I might not have all the shiny quite the same way. Um, I don't have to watch myself. Uh, but again, I'm talking like email. I'm talking like 
certain types of engagement with the phone. I, I want to eventually wean myself off of those things too, but it's impossible to do it all at once. So distinguish between entertainment and work and then start stripping away entertainment. Just, just strip it away. Do one less. Do some less. Know that you don't like it. Decide. I don't like it. Decide. I'd rather figure out what my hands are for than what my eyes are for. I've seen plenty. I've seen enough now to know that I can't do most of it. I certainly can't do all of it. And it feels a bit spinny. So I'm going to slow down <laughs> and just figure out what I actually want to do. And as uh, I think it was, I can't remember if it was this one or, or a different one that Frisbee in the, in the briefing, um, I should like publish the briefings now, right? Uh, Frisbee in the briefing uh, talked about that maybe uh, something particular to a man, the way that having a child is particular to a woman, is that the man must build with his hands somehow, some way. And yeah, typing gives a good approximation of this, but really it's, it doesn't do it without draining you the same way that just sawing on something, even with a power tool, um, it lets you build. And it's not even about building. I think it's about somehow it's the creative envisioning that God gave us as his image that's broken and redeemed in Christ to be, you know, we can be artists now rather than just witch doctors, which is what all that kind of stuff did in the ancient world. Like if you you saw ancient art, it's basically worship, right? Um, So for a Christian to be an artist, to rediscover the, the artistry of all creation, that all things we do with our hands can be kind of used for good. Even weapons of war can be made into things that are beautiful and not used for war. Uh, And so, well, how would you do that? You remove the blue light entertainment and you sit there and you feel bad about it for a while because you're going to go through withdrawal. <laughs> you're going to want the, 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 the dopamine pitch to come at you, but you're going to sit there long enough that you get bored. And when you're bored, your eyes are going to look around and you're going to see something in your room that has been there a while and you should touch it. <laughs> and you won't, it won't be one thing you'll, what was it? I, I went to do one, like write one card on, on my workbench. And I thought I was going to do that yesterday and ended up doing a two hour project so I could write that card the way I wanted to off the bench. I didn't even know it until I got to the bench. We are prepared by God for our days. This is not, we're going to talk about new age stuff here in, in a moment. This is not name it, claim it realities. It is the fact that God has set your path before you. And he intends for you to see it and grab it. And that right now to have something that you can do like this is a great way to not be able to see what's in your path. And the more that we do this, um, the more I kind of, I, I just can't help but think about it with idolatry in mind from the ancient world. Like these little statues, we're just walking around looking at these little images of statues and just kind of doing this all the time. And then you sit there and, and I watch my kids play, play Minecraft and I love Minecraft. But it's like, you know, little statues just staring at the screen. It just seems weird for our bodies. I don't know. I don't know. I, again, I don't want to be a... The last thing I want to do is be legalistic about it, but I, neither do I want to deny nature, right? So it's my argument that I'm making right now has very little to do with like, like the moral code, right? What I'm dealing with is what I think is observing consequences of actions. And the consequences of the actions of blue light entertainment are stupidity, anxiety, fear, anger, like everything you don't want. <laughs> and the further I get from it, um, the more pleased I am with my workbench that is far from complete, but it's got wheels on it now, which is pretty cool. So how do you remove yourself? You just do it one, one piece at a time. Um, I'll, I'm going to tell a story about, about uh, pull-ups because it illustrates the point. Anybody, anybody, 
I mean, if you are morosely obese and bedridden, no. But almost anybody, even people who are somewhat overweight, significantly overweight, I mean, there's a line, 95% of us can do a pull-up or five. Even if you're overweight, how? You don't start by doing a pull-up or five. You don't even start by doing a, trying to do a pull-up. That won't do any good. That'll just make you despair. You start by getting a chair and standing with the bar and stepping off the chair and lowering down as, as safely as, and as, as slowly as you can. And it doesn't matter how fast you dropped. Don't do any more. The next day, do it one more time. Do it every day. You will be doing a pull-up eventually. And you will succeed every time. Uh, because you start initially just by dropping slow. And you're not going to try to do a pull-up until you're able to go, oh, look at this. What? You know what? I bet you I could go back up today. How's this feel? That's right. I'm a man. You know? I, hey, it's the story, which is about um, small wins, uh, positive feedback loops, uh, giving yourself a carrot on the end of the stick. Uh, the way you start is by having small victories. And uh, so pick an app, pick an event. I mean, if you're still watching movies for entertainment, just just fast for a couple of months. I mean, how much are you going to miss? I'm like, every time I see an advertisement for movies right now, I'm so arrogant. I'm like, oh, they're still making movies? I can't believe they're still making movies. <laughs> everyone's Not everyone's quit watching them yet. Like, I'm, I'm so arrogant about it. Um, it's funny. But that's kind of how it feels. Why, do, why does it feel like Because they, they seem meaningless. Every movie that I see is like, that doesn't even begin. I mean, I, I mentioned the one on A Brief History of Power, if you listen to it, uh, was the Three Musketeers or whatever that came out. And how, like, that, the, the picture appealed to me until I remembered they were all actors posing. And it was like, yeah, this, this is meaningless. Um, I'd rather go read Three Musketeers, which I, I am reading. Um, uh, no, I'm not. We bought Count of Monte Cristo and we started reading it for the kids. It's a little, little hard. Golly, he's so good though. It's a good, good story. Anyway, read a book, read a book, go outside, go to Hobby Lobby. (laughs) Don't buy everything. Go to Hobby Lobby and buy three things, a tool, a substance that the tool works on and something else to like glue to it or something, right? Or like, I don't know, whatever else you see, not candy, no dopamine. Okay. Um, and then come home and like, just set it down. Don't even touch it. Set it down. Look at it. It's like, it was a pile of beads and some string or something. Right. But you like it. It's pretty, uh, or whatever. Um, and then just don't try, but you'll come back to it. You'll come back to it. Um, and the more you can believe in yourself, as a human who was made to do that, like that's actually what you're for is to take these hands and use them in ways that just inspire you. And the idea in paradise is that what you create through that inspiration, which will inevitably be growing food in some way, will um, be shareable with everybody. So everyone will have enough. Now, I'm not saying this can actually come to place. We can't realize this eschatology now in some sort of like miraculous way, but we can know that's how the world's made to work. Uh, and then we can begin to exercise that faith as Christians, even though we're fighting effectively, you know, a hydra demigod of mind manipulation and drug control. Uh, follow me. <laughs> hey, hey, tell your sons they are John Connor because it is true. Skynet is programming you. Listen or well, turn it off and then you'll 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 know. Joe says this. Hi, Pastor Fisk. In your last SMC with Pastor Wolfmiller, he talked about the great New Age lie where things can be created with thoughts. I immediately recalled a conversation with family attempting to justify this concept, citing 10, uh, John 10, 34. 
What is the best way to refute this claim? And John 10, 34 is where Jesus says, uh, uh, even in your own scriptures, it says ye are gods. And everyone's like, what is he talking about? Let's kill him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it is a, Jesus has moments where he says things that are, dare I say it, out on a limb with regard to everything else he says. It's not that they aren't true. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that it's difficult to tie them to other truths with full comprehension in such a way that you can say to someone, you're not a Christian if you don't believe what it says. <laughs> and so this is one of those places that's where ye are gods. Now, here, here's, here's my answer just to what the text means. That humans, when compared to the rest of creation, are like gods. And it's really not that tough. I mean, look what we do. Look what we do. I mean, we're just, we're just dominating. Oh, the poor chimpanzees. Oh, the whales. Yeah, we're dominating. Okay. So, so, uh, <laughs> um, we are like gods and, and we're pretty bad gods because we're dominating. Like we're dominating, which is what the curse actually says we'll do. Um, Genesis three as a breaking version of stewarding, right? Which is Genesis two. So, um, to use that then, that we are naturally created like unto gods when compared to creation. And even the angels wonder at us, follow us and serve us. We will, yea, judge them, it says. Uh, <laughs> to use this to then teach that now I'm able to create reality like Luke Skywalker with my breath and spirit space land magic sci-fi special dust of Jesus. That's nonsense. It's, it's arrogant, paganizing, earth-worshipping, temporally-minded poo-poo. <laughs> Fecal matter. That, the great New Age lie, which comes into Christianity in forms of the prosperity gospel. So let me, let me give you the Christian version of this, because it sounds pretty good. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a bad argument. It's like, look, look, look. Jesus died and rose again, right? Yeah, of course he did. Well, you, you believe in him, right? Yeah, of course you did. You're baptized into him. Well, we don't care about that. But anyway, anyway, anyway well, you're, you're in him, right? Yeah, Jesus is my God. I gave my life to him, blah, blah, blah. Well, since that's true, and the Bible says that he's the son of God, and the Bible says that his blood covers you, and that now you're a son of God, that means that you are likened to him as God, and what can he do? He can say, let there be light, and there is light. So, since you are with him, you can say that as well. I and mean, they go the same argument that I make about actually just believing in him. They make it about doing magic, right? So, the only thing keeping you from being able to do the magic is that you don't believe you can do the magic. And you just got to call on Jesus with enough faith to do the magic. It's like the inverse. It's the evil inverse of everything I've been saying all morning. So, the idea of the Great New Age Live, the idea of the prosperity gospel, is that I have enough power within me to face my universe and change it. And let me say that that's it. Now, when you see this in Christianity, when you see this in the new age, it doesn't always take the form of, of radicalism. It can just take the form of mission <laughs> or your favorite music, but you're trying to make the world, your world. The fact that there are people in an age that claims to believe in science who really think they're going to like make millions of dollars show up by declaring to God that they're in charge of the universe because of Jesus. I mean, the, the ignorance level of that person with regard to the name of Jesus is profound. It's just, it's just stupefyingly profound. Uh, at the same time, I, I really just don't want to undo everything we've been talking about, which is the fact that 
God is with you in all of these things. And that your prayers are better than magic. Magic means whatever I do happens. This is, I'm not good like that, right? I make lots of mistakes. <laughs> and so I'd much prefer prayers to magic. Because in prayer, I simply get to go to the actual God who's going to do the good stuff, who will do what I ask, because that's why he made me, was to ask, to see, to be his hands and eyes on the ground, as it were. And some of the answers are going to get to be me to others as a gift. I must prefer asking rather than just doing because the only thing that's going to happen is what he wants. And that's going to be good. And if I was left alone falling creature than I am, it's going to not be so hot, right? It's going to be a lot of death and decay and darkness and oops. <laughs> Didn't mean to do that. I'm not why I'm angry and sad. I don't know why. You know, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> uh, oh goodness. So, so for your, your conversation with your family and friends, I don't know, I don't know how to engage other than to just kind of like, be like, well, that's really amazing. All right, so, I mean, talk them into it, right? Talk them into it means rather than try to tell them why what they're saying is insane, insane, cult, social control, insane. Rather than try to like break that shell over wine the first night, right? Why, why don't you ask, ask them more about it? And if you can, ask them in such a way which requires them to demonstrate both an understanding of it and a proof of concept. And uh, I, don't, I don't want the proof of concept to be something I have to do. I'm going to keep asking. Okay, so you're telling me that you can name and claim any physical reality in the universe because of your faith in Jesus? Uh, can, we, can we write down what you're working on right now so I can like see you in three weeks again? Let's just track. Can we track this? Together? I'm really curious about it. I believe in Jesus. And if this is how we're supposed to pray, I want to know. Now, I mean... You got to be vulnerable to do that, don't you? You got to actually believe you're right and that he's really wrong and you're going to let his false God die right in front of you and you're going to be his friend all the way. Yeah. Um, that, that, that's the direction I would encourage us to think about going. It's hard to have that conversation. That is really a difficult conversation. Um, but hopefully there's some help there in general. I will be back only momentarily. I mean, not really only momentarily. Momentarily, I'll be back. For a while. Yeah, right. Joe. Joe has a big one here. Here we go. Um, there we go. Uh, oh, oh, <laughs> this is the rest of Joe's question. This is 1034. Okay. So the context of that of that verse from earlier, uh, Jesus says, you know, ye are gods. In the context, the Jews uh, were going to kill him at this point. They're going to stone him. Uh, many good works, he says, I've done for you. Why are you killing me for the good works? And they're like, not for the good works, but because you say you're God. And then, you know, they use that word. He's so good. He's like, yeah, but the Bible says we all are. What you talking about, right? And this is where, honestly, most of what I say about what we can do and be, this is what's so beautiful about the gospel. Like, it's for all of us. All of us are given the spirit of Pentecost. All of us are made equal partakers in the hope of the life of the world to come. There is no division or, or like, layers of Christianity. There's only your maturity. And your maturity is just your own, like, experience of it which he promises to grow you in unless you don't want it and then he's like well it's not you gotta you, you gotta let the discipline come musar musar is a good thing ah uh, so if if god called us gods to uh to whom the word of god came this is the the ancestors of the jews uh, do you say of him whom the father sanctified and sent into the world you are blaspheming because i said i am the son of god so he's great he ends around on him he's like well we did this part already right uh well you know your fathers were told by god that you're all gods so now you're going to tell the only begotten son of god who comes in his name that'd be me that i'm not like 
what you're talking about, Willis. You know, how can you how can you possibly say to the actual God he's not a God when you are gods? Yeah, um, by by virtue of your reflection of God as a creator and you as the head of creation, right? Uh, as men, as men, and that includes the women. By the way, we don't have to like. Oh, for goodness sakes, the age we live in. If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. <laughs> Yeah, right. It's Jesus again, right? But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works, right? Look at the miracles. Uh, look at the resurrection. Uh, that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Therefore, they sought again to seize him, <clears throat> but he escaped out of their hand. <clears throat> wonder how that went. Uh, chase scene. That makes me think of a really bad Christian movie with a really bad chase scene and Jesus running through the streets. <laughs> That's what we would do, though. And this is why no one t- pays attention to us. Uh, Cafe Sola says this. Can you talk about one person, a Christian, forgiving another person, Christian or not, uh, what it is really ultimately uh, them forgiving God's forgiveness is that is it really them giving God's forgiveness and does it have to go both ways for restoration? Um, I'm going to say no, if by restoration you mean for the forgiveness to be true, right? So forgiveness by definition doesn't go both ways. Like that's not how forgiveness works. Your debt um, doesn't go both ways. If you, if, if you, pay someone your debt, you've paid your debt. You already had your way. It's already come to you, right? Debt exists because there's only one way to go. Um, if that makes sense, I kind of jumped metaphors there a little bit. Um, so forgiveness as the removal of debt by God from humanity doesn't need to be received by us to be true or real. It's real. This is my point earlier. It's not a theory. It's just a done. <laughs> it's it's a happened. It's a past event. We think George Washington set up a nice spot for us. He didn't. And, uh, well, Christ has. Uh, he has crossed uh, the sticks, literally. So it doesn't have to go both ways for restoration because Christ himself first forgives. And that is what creates the faith that then we are able to repent within and feel and have our restoration, be regenerate by the forgiveness. And so also for you with people around you, there's no reason it would not refract in the exact same way that forgiveness is your posture. It's not so much about a decision. I'm going to make a decision to forgive you today. It's, It's your posture. How do you face the world? Mercy or justice? Are you seeking to aid or to get? That's kind of what it comes down to, right? Uh, so, um, I think it's very important that a Christian basically forgive everyone all the time, recognizing that it's hard to because there are enemies. And so we pray for them as our enemies using the Psalms about our enemies, which actually prays that insofar as they are Christ's enemies, they would be cast down, but can lead you personally to realize that you're not Christ. And so he'll be in charge of that. And so you can actually, again, like I said earlier, look for the good of your enemy and pray for that too. Um, and that that's the life of forgiveness as opposed to, don't don't treat forgiveness so much like it's like um it can go in a water bottle or something right like we just pass this little bit of juice around and that's our forgiveness and you got to use it up and got to share it I mean that that's a very not biblical category I think uh, I don't want to chase that thought too much but um think of forgiveness as your posture as your face the face of forgiveness Melinda oh <laughs> uh, I was warned against this question I was I was I was I was warned against this question Melinda says this. A woman's scorn. I don't know what to do with or how to handle vindictive women. Hmm. <laughs> um, they don't forgive and try to ruin you. Do we just let them? I never know how to deal with them. Help, please. Yeah. Well, so 
I remember when I was a, a, a young pastor uh, at a church with a school, and I remember the teachers uh, talking, and, and I think this is where I learned this. Um, someone had said, uh, there is, n- like, they didn't say it quite like this, but it was hell hath no fury like an eight-year-old girl. Uh, and, and the idea is that somewhere between seven and, and 12, they get vicious, right? They get vicious. And the boys, the boys are bad and dumb and rude and smelly, right? But not so much calculating, right? <laughs> right? And the girls just can be calculating. Um, now, I don't know. I don't know what it's like to be a woman. I'm not one. So it's, it's hard for me to answer directly. But I can say this. I know that it's hard to handle vindictive people. I know that vindictive people are unforgiving. And we we're talking about before that our posture should be forgiving. Our posture is mercy. Vindictive people's posture is justice. And they always feel unjustified. And they always feel that they must act for the justification to happen because they won't admit that it's their own fault. Right? They, they could justify themselves better by repenting, but they don't. And so they need to justify themselves by, by controlling instead. Now, honestly, in, an, in a relationship with a human being in which this is happening, I would cease having the relationship in every way possible. I would be civil. I would be friendly. I would smile. And I'd walk away and I'd just say, I'm judgment day, Lord, I'll forgive him. We'll move on now. <laughs> Let it be. Uh, and just not even. Not even. And uh, why? Why would you? There are so few moments in this life. Why would you listen to someone who hates you? Now, if you're seeking to reconcile with them, remember how this works. It's not like an ongoing relationship of abuse is encouraged by Jesus. He says, take another with you. Someone who understands who's going to talk, right? And and then if, if they won't listen, then it will tell it to the church, which means, again, if it's someone in your office, you obviously can only talk to your boss once, right? Maybe twice. And then, uh, well, <laughs> uh, quit, go hire, um, uh, or uh, ignore it. Learn that you're a slave. Own it. We're all slaves. We are not a free people. We are slaves. Uh, so where you go to work, you are enslaved there, and it's okay. God put you there, and it's way better than rowing on a boat in the, in the uh, Mediterranean. You know, as a slave galley, like you're, you're way better off. So, um, learn then. Well, let me, let me say this too, Melinda. I will say this since I turned off the blue light, here I go again. (laughs) My, uh, my resiliency to this kind of stuff has, has just amplified and I can only believe it's going to do so more and more. Do you know, it takes your body seven years to rebuild itself. Do you know this one? This one's kind of cool. So like what you eat is what you become. Did you you know you eat in order to make your body? Like, it's really interesting that you cannot live without killing things. And if you think you can just kill plants, uh, you can't, (laughs) uh, you need, you need to eat protein. Uh, you need to eat fat, all that that goes in protein, fat, sugar, water, whatever. Uh, let's put salt water is another way to look at it. Salt water is what's going in your body. Um, and, uh, it is replacing the parts insofar as you can get enough protein. Okay, because that's really what you're building yourself out of is the protein. Uh, your protein is being turned into everything else in your body and replacing your cells. And some are replaced more quickly than others. But the entire body, so far as the science is concerned, I mean, it's all a myth, right? Is that the entire body uh, turns over every cell once every seven years. So if you've got like chronic health issues that you would like to try fixing by improving your nutrition, which certainly I think can be done to some level, and it's not magic, but like you, you can be burning your right now. Uh, 
<laughs> really, uh, uh, inflammation, just get rid of the inflammation. It like changes a lot of things. Um, no, oh, man. Uh, oh, oh, I lost the punchline. No, no, no. All right. That's embarrassing. Uh, wrong button. Getting control of your gut does help you get control of your head. Moving out of a world of hyper inputs, dopamine chasing, and uh, insulin up and down sugar chasing, uh, moving out of that stabilizes your heart, you know, your breath, your body. Just, but it takes seven years for your body to change over. How long does it take for your brain? I mean, you're not really... I know you can. Again, I said earlier, uh, some scientists have shown you can you can grow, regrow brain cells. Um, that's not going to happen fast, right? Uh, I've talked with other friends who are going through the same kind of thing uh, where we're like realizing we grew up like a long time ago, but didn't. And so we're, we're at, our brains, I think, are, are literally growing up right now. And part of that is the, the stunting that uh, over-imagination with childish dreams uh, carried on as a drug for too long, uh, they prevent certain uh, manifestations of yourself. And, and again, working with your hands, most specifically and physically, being something that God made you to do, that if you don't do it, you're going to carry anxiety, fear, pain um, in hyper ways, in acute ways. We're all going to suffer. But you look at the, the people who, who uh, I mean, that, this generation is mostly gone. I mean, they live very hard lives, 40s, 50s, right? Uh, 30s. And the suffering, but they... Uh, they were stronger for it, right? Uh, they didn't need safe places, right? And all this kind of nonsense. I, I think I think it's the trauma of uh, of stories and, and nightmares and things like that. So, um, so the more you pull yourself off of trauma and imagined bad stories and hyper scary human phenomenons that probably will not happen, the more you get away from that, your body that doesn't know the difference between these movies and reality. I think. Um, you know, your, your soul doesn't know the difference between these movies and reality. And you're, you're having to fight it and talk it through what all it means. The more you just aren't inputting that stuff in, the more when someone's vindictive to you, you kind of see it for what it is. It's like you're, 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 you're living in this inhabited space and the story they just threw out is it's like a movie. I mean, it doesn't really mean anything. Uh, not not necessarily. I mean, it could. And as a pastor, I'm always listening to everybody. I take it seriously. I, I, I take it to heart. But you don't have to take it to heart in such a way that you aren't able to maneuver yourself away from having to listen to it. <laughs> yeah. So that's my answer. Uh, when vindictive people, you've got to strengthen yourself so that you're not thrown off by them, but you have no reason to have to let them do what they're doing. You should use every available avenue of civil discourse to remove them from your vicinity, especially uh, if they refuse to be removed from your vicinity. I mean, restraining orders and whatnot. Now, I don't think that's what you're dealing with, but in the broad context of the question, Yar, 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 right? All right. I think that made sense. Mostly. Mostly. I just need more water. I just need more water. Oh, mm. oh, that's really good. Mm. Thank you. Relic says this. Oh, this one. Can this last half an hour? We got half an hour here. Frisbee told me there were so many questions, and then I went boom, 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 boom. All right. Relic says this. It seems that heterodoxy is synonymous to heresy. If this is the case, how can those holding to heterodoxy be considered Christian? I seem to pick up hints that Luther didn't think so. For instance, Luther condemned Zwingli. 
I mean, the words were, he is of a different spirit. So when you're saying someone doesn't have the Holy Spirit, that's a thing. Now, was it simply because of that issue theologically, or was Luther, because of that issue theologically, aware that Zwingli was not a Christian? (laughs) Was a man who was using Christianity for himself, and just happened to be disagreeing about something that any other Christian would have agreed upon, but for himself, he inserted into us as a teaching now that many people listen to, without realizing that it was a non-Christian who first taught it, even though it doesn't make you a non-Christian to believe it immediately. However, it does water down the pool of our orthodoxy and eventually destroy the church, as we're watching happening before our eyes in the Reformed Western world that loves Plato more than the sacrament. Any case, um, I mean, really, it's, 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 the, it's the Catholics who are fighting with, you know, love of the sacrament, right? So, I mean, get real here. How could it be, then, that evangelicals or sacramentarians in general could be considered Christian? Because what I just said. Uh, further, how would this then relate to Wells' view of fellowship? Uh, that's interesting. Different question. So how are you a Christian when you're also heterodox is, is your real question. And so then for there, what does it mean to be heterodox? What does it mean to be a heretic? Um, and I'm going to say, I'm going to add another word in here. I'm going I'm to say there's a more important word. The most important word in here is, is, is apostasy. Apostasy. Apostasy is when you're not a Christian. It's when you are not a Christian. You have apostatized. You have left the faith. And it's evident. You say so. We can tell from your words. That's the thing that heresy leads to. And heresy is the thing that heterodoxy leads to. So both heresy and heterodoxy as a path toward apostasy are things that are condemned in the history of the church with all manner of language that, frankly, at the end of the day, ain't Jesus. So look at how Jesus treats people who are heterodox, that is, confused, usually. People who are heretical, that is, um, stubborn but willing to listen still, right? Um, uh, but, you know, needing to be challenged. Think, think rich young ruler, right? What happens to him? Think Nicodemus, what happens to him? Um, that'd be like your heretic, right? And then you have, uh, you have your apostate, like they really don't believe. Now, historically, we line these things up with or we tie these things to certain dogmas so that um, you are orthodox if you cling to a certain um, number of uh, you know, revealed dogmas, uh, that you are a heterodox if you are... Uh, losing a couple of those dogmas, but not enough to be considered not a Christian, and that a heretic often will be used to describe a church body or a church group heresy that if you believe what they teach, you are, in fact, not a Christian. You have apostatized. But who knows when that happens in an individual heart. So, But these words are not used categorically with any real consistency by anybody. I mean, what I'm giving you is sort of what your LCMS pastor will probably say, but nobody else says what we say about this. So it's, it's sort of a, it's sort of a, a man-made category that... My point of view on man-made categories is they're as useful as they are. <laughs> and, and this one, it, it just doesn't seem as useful to me anymore. I mean, you got, you got biblical and non-biblical, you got Christian, and you got apostate. And that's it. And we're trying to work in a world as if we're going to pull together the fracture of the Reformation. Like we're going to, we're all going to tie it back through the same lines it broke apart. I think what's more likely is that we just have a new Reformation that functionally occurs the same way with the word of God being believed by a bunch of people. And that the more we believe that, the more that we will come together because we'll find the same stuff in the scriptures. So, um, in that, then, the, the, talking about heterodoxy and heresy isn't really that helpful. It's helpful for maintaining your institution. Like, why should you give money to my church and not someone else's church? Because we're Orthodox and they're heretics. Like, oh, okay, and we can all go along with that. But the more you dig into these words, you really don't know what they mean. 
Heterodoxy, by the way, as a word, means false glory or divergent glory. It's a very helpful word for saying what's not biblical. I, I don't mind using heterodoxy to mean not biblical, right? So that it is a different glory than the Bible reveals for us to believe in. Heresy, uh, I, I again will usually use this to, to describe something that not only is not biblical, but I'd say it's maybe anti-biblical. It's antithetical to the Bible. It is directly trying to change the Bible. Uh, and so, you know, Jesus is not God. Uh, this is this is heresy. Um, well, Jesus is not in the Lord's Supper. I mean, see, I get caught in my own words here. Yeah, that's heresy too. Does that mean if you don't believe that, you're going to hell? No, I didn't say you were apostate for being a heretic, even though the ancient church definitely thought you were likely to be, <laughs> right? And that's just it. So when Luther finds Zwingli and calls him apostate, it's because he's a heretic. And he sees that this heretic is more concerned with preserving his power than with coming to a unity upon what the scripture actually says. And so he says, that guy's a heretic. Does that mean that every Calvinist is therefore on the verge of apostasy? No. Many people don't think through any of this. I think many many people live Christianity with a childlike faith that the arguments of the elites among them, that is the, the scholars and theologians and, and people who read their Bible, um, a lot of it flies right over their heads. Uh, I don't think this happens without them being in the Bible themselves a little bit. I think that someone who just, you know, ex operata operata floats from their baptism to their confirmation to their first communion to their marriage to their grave, I mean... You know, the Lord will be their judge, but I'm not sure how they're holding on. I don't know what they're believing by that point. But, you know, the, the, the path is so wide and varied that to try to label it with these categories from a number of different arguments over the course of Christian history, each one getting more and more extreme, even as we all get less and less extreme in believing much of anything that anybody says about our religion. I just don't know why it's that helpful to use the categories at this point. Is, you follow me on this? Like, I'd rather be like, okay, the Bible says this. And the Bible doesn't say that. Oh, Rome says this, and the Bible says this. Well, that's interesting. They're different. <laughs> oh, the Confessions say this, and the Bible says this. So that, that's, that, that's the same thing. That's really neat. That's neat, you know? Um, but to try to put it in these alternative layering of categories, this is like creating bureaucracy for your thought. It, it, it really, I think what I just said is probably the best thing I said. Yeah, don't, don't create bureaucracy for your thinking. You don't need it. You don't need it. Get to, get to simple categories. Uh, read the Proverbs. How would the Proverbs handle heterodoxy. Uh, heterodoxy is foolishness. And heresy probably becomes scoffing. Uh, I like those categories way better. Those are way better categories. I mean, you hear me? I, I, don't be a fool. Don't be a scoffer. Uh, nobody will, And see, now you're not offending somebody. You're a fool. Why am I a fool? The Bible says right here, a fool does this. You just did that. I, I, I just the messenger. I don't know. I don't know. How, could it be? Uh, how can it be? You ask again, though, that that evangelicals or sacramentarians are considered Christian. They confess Jesus has risen from the dead. Uh, that's mostly it, right? Like, I mean, well, so what about what about the uh, the Mormons then? Right, is the question of the Jehovah's Witnesses? Well, you have the Trinity, and so can you believe Jesus, the Man God, rose from the dead as the Man God if you don't believe that He is the only begotten, eternal? of three persons, man, God, right? Uh, and so it gets into, this is, this is where the Wells view really comes in is just because someone says some words doesn't mean them words mean the same thing. Just because sounds come out of mouths doesn't mean we're talking. We can think we're talking and be talking past each other. Probably like 99% of human conversation. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, and so what the Wells position on say prayer fellowship sees is that someone's out there praying to Jesus and they're praying to Baal, man. Listen, listen to what they're saying. They're praying to Baal. They just say Jesus. 
And so, like, you can't just go out and trust everyone who says, I'm a Christian, follow me. Like, like that's really dumb. That's really not biblical. And so the Wells has a historic way of guarding this called uh, pastoral communion practice, closed communion practice. Uh, and the LCMS has this as well. And the Wells, uh, kind of with the LCMS's ancient view, though, too, sees prayer as a place, as, as the battleground for this. Prayer is where you are either saying we're together or we're not. And you know, before you would come to the table of the Lord where you're declaring a unity because it's being declared to you. And in that regard, I, f- I fully understand the Wells position. I also think it's wooden and that wooden categories are bureaucracy for your mind and that we don't need more bureaucracy. We need more Bible right now. So um, yes, I think it helps explain all these things. Would you let a fool lead the prayers? Would you let a scoffer lead the prayers? Why would you do that? Oh, because they think they're not these things. Well, then maybe just don't pray with them, you know? And, and that's, that's the Wells position. And I, I don't disagree with it. I'm, but what it gets painted as, I think, um, which I do disagree with, is like, it's like, it's more like a policing thing. Like you're just not allowed to pray with anybody. <laughs> uh, and they don't realize uh, how wide orthodoxy goes if we're going to take orthodoxy as the childlike faith. So, you know, it's one thing to say, no, you fool cannot lead my prayers. It's another thing to say, uh, hey, fool, join me in prayer. Listen, <laughs> you know, uh, I think that, I think it's a different thing altogether. Um, and so I'm not Wells, you know, whatever. Um, it's uh, when we talk about that, though, church bodies. I mean, I've said this before. I think we should just own it that church bodies, so far as we comprehend them, institutional brands uh, that we can rely on to hold us together. I don't think they're going to be around. Uh, will we be able to have communion fellowships that gather to understand each other as walking together Christians? Yeah, it's going to happen. Um, but the more that the bureaucracy tries to save itself as bureaucracy, uh, the more the institutions that we call our church bodies that aren't churches, and the LCMS says it's very clear, the LCMS is not a church, um, it, that, that is not church thing, this parachurch organization, it, it, is, it is insufficient for the times. It is built for a different age. It is a, it is a jackhammer in an age of nuclear weaponry. And it just, it just won't do. So don't attach your heart and your faith to these institutions as faithful as they have been. No one's calling into question anybody's grandma's heart. Okay. Like, like get over that. Live today. These, these tools are broken and collapsing. Do not attach your faith to them. Even as you work with the Christians who are among them, trying to find your Christianity together. So when you have to sell the building, you don't fight about it. You don't all split up and go a million different directions because you have different spirits. You know what I'm saying? Hear what I'm saying? Oh, goodness gracious. I'm going to drink some water. I'll be right back again. All right. We got 20 minutes here. Oh, I should pull up, talk them into it, but I'm going to scroll back. Uh, for questions from the comments here. I know I saw a few and I just got to roll back. Actually, there were a bunch right at the start of the show. Hold on. Hold on. Here we go. First off, uh, Ryan Learman dropped this at the start of the show. It's pretty good. The, the, the proverb for zeal without knowledge is certainly not good in a person who acts hastily sins. This connects to something I was talking about on issues, et cetera, this week. I'm back on issues, et cetera, Wednesday afternoon, sometime after, uh, the three, four o'clock hour, I think. Um, and uh, we're going to be doing Proverbs every week, and we're going to be doing a chapter every week, not the whole chapter. I'm going to pull out a few, but if you would like to follow along with me and take on my Proverbs reading schedule, so you get to be kind of with me as I talk about a few that you've been pondering, we'll be going through five to seven Proverbs from chapter 20 this Wednesday. Last Wednesday, we did chapter 19, and uh, 
the idea of sin and haste, sin and haste came together. And uh, I, I talked, <clears throat> if I'm going to try to say it again, um, the reason that haste, I mean, I dug into this word in, in uh, the Hebrew too. It's, it's really haste. <laughs> like the reason that haste is sin is because it's panic. It's panic driven and panic is unbelief. Panic is belief that God isn't sufficient and you've got to act with like idolatrous zeal right now. And so you run in fear, not of God, but of other things. And that haste is, is sin. All right. So, so Ryan then goes on and adds this to it. So, so what of management management theory that would intentionally burn platforms to cause frenetic activity, activity, use dark side emotions to inspire productivity. I think honestly, Ryan, that management theory uh, by and large is built on the sinful desire for haste because <laughs> uh, behind haste is another idea, profit. And profit is an idea the Bible is very condemning of as an attitude, as a point of view. Um, to need to profit, to try to profit is to harm your neighbor. To profit is to do violence. And th- that's kind of the Bible's view spiritually of the entire thing. Uh, and so management theory is built upon the desire to profit, to do violence. To who? This is important. Uh, when you're doing like the Tim Ferriss getting things done, who are you doing violence to? Yourself. <laughs> you're trying to do violence to yourself to make yourself work faster. You are, you are flagellating yourself in order to be a more active, creative person by using dark side emotions. That's correct. That's what it teaches because that's all they got. Fear, anxiety. This is bad Yoda. Self justification, busybodiness. The dark side are they? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ryan says this, uh, the Christian may try to act without haste in a world trying specifically to cause hastiness as an end. Correct. That is what that proverb wants us to get. So it's not that you will never haste. It's not that you will never be an unbeliever because Christians have the flesh attached to us till the day we die. But we are to put on the mind of Christ, which knows that haste is always unnecessary and that, well, frankly, stopping and praying will always be more um, effective. Truly, truly, truly. I truly, truly. Wanderstein says this, Rev Fisk, why do you have AirPods in your ears while preaching? Are they in-ear monitors? Or do you still listen to a recorded version of your sermon like you mentioned a long time ago? So if you go, it should be right around here, go down like that way, right? Uh, And find James 3, listen to the James 3, and then just don't listen to all of it, just like three minutes, not even that, 30 seconds. Then go to James 4, and you'll know why I use the AirPods. Uh, They're my microphone. They're my microphone for YouTube. They they work really great. They have the um uh what uh, a transparency setting, so I can I can hear the congregation, I can hear myself, and they effectively are there to pick up my voice for the recording for the broadcast. And they have been by far the best I've found for that. I've tried all sorts of pin-on things and stuff, and um they they work really really good for that. So that that's why um I I no longer listen to a recorded version of my sermon. Yeah, man, what a crutch, huh? Um. There was a reason for that. And, you know, if you want to talk about homiletics, camera, and the belief that you need to craft the sermon in order for it to function right, uh, being, I think, a form of idolatry uh, is is fun. So, you know, I used to, to okay, I'm, I'm going to take you through the whole journey. So I go to seminary. I'm like a, I'm a kid. I got married. I'm happy. Play my guitar. I sing praise songs. I'm a Lutheran, whatever. And they take us through this, you know, four-year boot camp. And uh, it it was up. It was down. There was some real good in it. There was some real bad in it. Um, they taught us to preach. In fact, the school we went to, like the mascot, the preachers. 
but in teaching us to preach, they, they taught us to uh, rely on ourselves an awful lot for the preaching. And the discipline of homiletics, as they taught it, particularly under uh, the guidance of a man named Kammerer, who no longer was there, but had walked out with the liberals in 1973, but we still had to read his book. Um, under that influence, uh, my own experience was uh, to see the sermon as a kind of like a prophetic force in the church that I had to piously use right. And if I did not piously like amplify or direct the prophetic force for this week, um, then uh, the church wouldn't function well. And if I did it right, the church would function well. And this is largely Gnostic, by the way, I think, uh, that the knowledge is sort of informational knowledge about law gospel or about Jesus in a law gospel paradigm. And then if I if we just have this understood enough, then all the other problems in the church will take care of themselves. Uh, so it, it is a form of gospel reductionism. is definitely a progressive liberalism, uh, and uh, it, it is what I imbibed spiritually. Right, um, not trying to. I'm still preaching the Bible. I'm still preaching Jesus. Right, but it's like a harness on on Jesus a little bit. And um, they also though uh, taught us kind of the old the old school from b- before uh, camera was around which uh, leaned on Latin rhetoric and Cicero and the idea of a crafted statement. Uh, and there were guys a generation before us who were really good at this stuff. And, and they, they basically told you, you will memorize your sermons. You will write them. You will memorize them. You'll deliver them. You know, all the world's a stage. Get ready, boys. And uh, not many people did that. I tried, though. I mean, I did. Uh, I, I memorized my sermons all through Vicarage. And um, it took about three or four tries uh you know i have to go through it and you get better but it was it was stressful that's for sure it was anxiety driving the whole time um so you know continuing to try to do that as a missionary slash pastor in in the new jersey area um i put headphones in one day to try to memorize while i was driving in traffic rather than wait till saturday night and do it in the pulpit and uh, i realized i could just speak it out loud after i heard it so at that point, I was like, this is a waste of my time. I'm just going to do it this way. So my entire using of the, of the ear monitors to give me the recorded version was based upon the theory that you have to write the sermon. So once I abandoned that theory, um, I abandoned the, the, the earphones pretty quickly. Uh, and I moved instead to what you would have to call an, an, ec, an exegetical or even an ep- exegetical uh, preaching style, expository preaching style, which is to say that the text is my outline. And I don't, I don't write down much. If there is a really key study point or thought that I've gotten throughout the week, because I spend the majority of my time not writing, but reading instead, um, I read the text, I get into the languages, I try to find the gist, and I believe that it's in me because it's a gift from God that I get to believe what I read. And then I get up and I talk about it. And I try to tell others, you know, here's here's the, the forest, here's the trees, take a good look, we're moving on next week. <laughs> you can't go as deep as I did, I'm sorry. Uh, it's, it, but that's that's what a pastor in theory should do. Now, most pastors don't get the time or luxury to do that. And that, again, would go back to what, what we, Learman was talking about earlier with hastiness and uh, and, the, and the zeitgeist of the age. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, if, you, if you need to deliver something, like if you're going to be a politician who needs to stump speech, don't use it. Don't use a monitor. Do it. Do that thing. That thing's way better than a monitor. Way better. If I was, if I was, you know, Biden or whoever, you know, with my green screen, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I, I would definitely be using the. In fact, he is. We know that already, don't we? Um, so everybody does at that level. Why wouldn't you? I don't know if I can get more out of this, more juice out of this lemon. It's not a lemon. AirPods. AirPods. I draw. 
So I had a moment. It was about a week ago. God, you know your day is going when it starts like this. So I sleep I sleep with a uh, CPAP machine. Okay, So I got a big thing on my face. And then um, beside the CPAP machine on my, my desk side bed, I've got like a, a lamp, you know, a reading lamp, a couple books. And then I'll usually put my phone on, like uh, turn off the, the cellular. And uh, and my AirPods uh, will, will be sitting right there. Because in the morning I get up, I like to listen to music when I'm moving around. And I, I use music to, to pray with and stuff. And uh, I, so I, I'm lying there and I turn over and I got this bad bum hip right now too from shoveling snow. It's, it's really not good actually. Um, but the... Uh, uh, I kind of roll over and I'm in pain and I kind of reach for it. And, oh, I forgot to say, and I always pull open my like sock drawer and I have my water bottle sitting right there. Cause sometimes you're thirsty in the middle of the night you drink a little water in the morning, you get up, it's good to have the water. So what happens? So the AirPods go clump, plump, plop. And I hear it like I'm half asleep and I hear the plop like the, the <laughs> these things are 300 bucks. They fell in the water. Ah! I'm like up. I've got the water. I'm throwing the water across the room. The AirPods are spilling everywhere. They worked. I, I left the case to dry. Like it, it barely had gotten in the case. The AirPods were completely dry. They still were. I, I mean, they were only in for all of a second and a half. Maybe I was fast, <laughs> but oh my goodness. So I, you know, I am not a fan of Apple. I'm not a fan that they're starting to track me more by um, insisting on things like that in their software. They've always been a highly controlling organization. Of course, all these big industries are, you know, the future Blade Runner kind of reality you got to get ready for. They're going to be controlling. Um, uh, but I, I don't like Apple for that reason. Uh, I don't trust Apple. <laughs> Taking a bite out of the Apple looks an awful lot like Genesis 3 to me for some reason. Uh, and it's almost intentional. Uh, but with all that said, uh, they make quality hardware. They make very quality hardware. There's no question. So if you're going to get into like prepping, hacking, and all that kind of stuff, let's figure out how to like build a new operating system. Does Ubuntu run on Mac? I think it does. I don't know. It's been a long time. I don't. I don't. I don't care. I don't care enough about that. But we got to run. We got to run the well. That's that's the trick. Got to run the well. All right. Uh, going to the bottom again to see if any new questions popped up there. Uh, bu- 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 bu. We got a text from James. Someone will say, "You have faith. I have works. Show me your faith by your works. I'll show you my faith by my works." That's cool. What's that for? Is that like trying to like prove me wrong or something? Like, dude, I just, I just spent like, like 45 minutes on James two on this channel, like, like four weeks ago, like looking at this. Uh, so if that's supposed to somehow like make me wrong that I believe in Jesus and I'm saved, like that shows your foolery. Uh, I'll give you the easy answer. You're right. If you believe in Jesus, you're going to try not to be an evil person. You will show your faith by what you do. It's, it's really not that tough. And there's no reason to believe in the Pope just because of that verse. It's just, it's kind of nonsense. Oh, the Pope. Speaking of showing works by what you do, right? The Pope. Hello, everybody. What has that office done? I had a really interesting conversation at an event recently. I met a, a Roman Catholic lady, and uh, we got in a conversation about the marriage of priests, which was was really interesting. And she defended the Pope uh, as being, you know, a unifier. That's usually where they go. He's a unifier. He's just a unifier. It's the great, most dividing factor in the history of the Church. Is the Pope? It's, it's caused more division. All the fractures that exist result from him claiming to be in charge. Uh, ever, before that, we got along with each other and only kicked out the well heretics. Interesting. Uh, 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 so. Um, then, but I loved how she, she knew I was a Lutheran. She, I'm dressed like a priest, right? And, and I said, I'm a Lutheran priest. And she goes at, uh, you know, well, but how can you not believe the Lord's Supper? Please, lady. Come on now. Come on now. Yeah. I, I, at that point, I pitched her my book. If you read my book without flesh, it'll inspire your Catholic faith. And it actually will, because it teaches what your Catholic faith believes better and with less dross. And so you'll just come out and be like, I can't wait to go to Mass. I can't wait to go to Mass. Maybe I should be a Lutheran. No, you won't think that. <laughs> actually, well. 
Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, <clears throat> so Mom Monster says this. Uh, we're just talking about works and faith, I guess, in the side chat. Works come from faith, which only God can give. Amen to that. Works manifest the mature faith when we are given by God, uh, given the godly desire to serve our neighbors because he first loved us and served us. Yeah. <clears throat> I wouldn't try to pin it down. Like, don't try to pin down where your works are and where your faith is. Like, that, that's, that's the mirror of the enlightenment you don't need. Instead, just believe that Jesus is your Savior, that he does all the saving. All the saving is Jesus. And that now you're free to try to be the best person you can without his condemnation. Like, according to his word, like, there it is. You're my son. Go be my children. Be light and salt in a world of decay and darkness. Like, like how, and you're going to argue about faith versus works in that? I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if that's what you guys are doing, but I, I know that that argument is a divisive factor in the history of the church, and it seems childish to me. And I think the child was the Pope 500 years ago. And I think if you study it, the same, no, no, no. It was someone else who I recently had, had uh, defend the Pope who went and looked at it. Like, that guy was mean. Yes. <laughs> yes, he was really, 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 really awful. You know, Cunningham points us to AC6, the new obedience. Amen to that. So the fruit of faith is that you are going to be a regenerate person. What does that mean? Before anything, it means you're going to pray. You're going to try to have God's name, second commandment, be something that you believe on. You're going to worship. You're going to go to hear God's word. You're going to believe authority should be used for good. You're going to try to use it for good. You're going to submit to it as much as you can until they tell you to do evil things. Evil things include things like what? Murdering, uh, committing adultery, lying, stealing. Pretty straightforward stuff, right? And then recognizing that my covetousness of some world that's not this one, my desire to do more, make more, have more is going to push me into the world where I do uh, murder, uh, commit adultery, lie, and steal. Like that's, that's what the world is, right? Which is the disorder we all dislike so much. And so even there, I must again just repent of my idolatry. Most good works are effectively faith. They are faith in action. I mean, to argue about this again is cart before horse. You have Jesus saving us by raising us from the dead right now through faith. We believe. It changes us. Here we are, believers. Things are different after that. I'm, I'm so tired of the argument. I, I, I just, it, but it's never going to go away because it split the whole church in half. Split the whole church in half. But we sit there and we just, we shoot bombs at each other for, of an argument that's been going on for 500 years that's really about power and money. You're telling me that the Vatican's not about power and money? Really? Really? That, really? How naive. How naive. I'm sure, I'm sure that the whole issue with, with like uh, the Western shutdown right now has nothing to do with like the royal fight. That's why it was so important for Obama to get involved and the royals being angry. Just Our elites are elite. Just believe it. And the Pope's one of them. And it's, it's bad up there. It's evil up there. Epstein. Put it together. Man, math's not that tough. All right. All right, all right I'm just being a poop. Um, I should try going back someday. To where? To where? Yep, he says. Anyway, where are we at? It's 1057. I have a Sons of St. Paul. Formerly men of St. Paul. Sons of St. Paul, shooting event today, so I've got to be on my way. We're going to practice shooting at what I, I printed targets of. Just a regular circles, but there was one that was like an alien. There you go. There's an alien, and then there was some other thing that was funny. It was it, it's just, it's like a hedgehog or something. No, it's not a hedgehog. What are those things called? Muskrat? I don't know. It's like uh, prairie dog. Prairie dog, yeah. Anyway, so we're going to go practice shooting and talk Proverbs, talk society, talk civilization, be a third place where men can get together as men. Breathe. Recognize that there's some anger around. Yeah, yeah. And then maybe even some sadness, but it's all right. Brothers brothers are good to have. Brothers are bred for a life in a world of war. And the brotherhood of Christianity is a war for peace. It doesn't lift up the arm to shoot. No, 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 no. And I'll, I'll say it. I'll say it again. I'll say it as often as I need to. I'm training with weapons 
so to not use them. I want you to know that I can use them, and I want you to be afraid that I will use them. And I want to tell you, when you suddenly come at me, oh, look, I'm going to use it, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm just going to talk to you. And so to me, it's all, it's all one more way of trying to get a leg up in the conversation with somebody so that they're willing to listen. Uh, and if you're a man in this age of barbarianism, uh, being able to handle yourself and your hands is incredibly important. And I'll tell you, learning to handle a firearm will show you how important it is to handle yourself and your hands, to not be a boy. My boy, who's a boy everywhere else, when he goes and shoots with us, he acts like a guy. He does it. He steps up because he knows he felt the power when he shot these. These things are scary. It's right, son. That's right. All right. So, so anyway, I'm gonna go on my way for that. Thank you so much for what all you do. If you do not yet support me, please consider Patreon dot com slash rev fisk uh that's what makes all the years go round sign up for mad mondays is the best newsletter you're ever going to find there's just no question it's better than newsletter this is like news for the rest of for well I shouldn't say that for the next five weeks mad mondays is the best news you're going to find and uh uh mad christian discord you should definitely hang out because that's where mad mondays gets put together all right y'all have a great saturday it is the 20th 21st tomorrow go get your sacrament at the lord and the lord's supper go get your oh jonathan sit down before you hurt yourself Would you all be so kind tomorrow as to make sure that if you are unable to go to church to get the sacrament, you will nonetheless lift your voice in prayer for the church throughout the entire world on this blessed eighth day in which we always remember. (laughs) I saw a sign of Baptist church. I got a thing of the up from the grave. He arose. Uh, We always remember that so that we as his children born, baptized, redeemed, standing firm, inspired by the Holy Spirit can lift up our heads and not wallow in the muck as we see the day approaching. Yeah, y'all rock on. Was that worth a dollar? Click the Patreon link in the show notes to sign up. Pretty please?